every promise is amen. So let it, amen, I agree. So be it. So let it be written, so let it be done. Every promise, every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. In our union with him, every promise is yes, every promise, amen. Is this for me? Yes. yes. And amen. amen. In other words, yes, so let it be. In other words, you establish with your words the reality of the promises of God in your life or the revelation of God or the manifestation of God. And manifestation is just a big word that means it shows up, you can touch it, feel it, see it, and other people are like, wow, how did that happen? <laughs> That's called a manifestation, right? And so um, we don't believe in manifestations in heaven alone. We believe in manifestations here on the earth today right now. Uh, because faith is not a future thing. Faith is now. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you got some hopes. You're hoping for some stuff. The substance of those or the tangibility of them. In other words, if you can touch them, feel them, take a bite out of them. That is your faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. You ever have like, uh, I don't know, I just know that I know. It's something happening in your spirit. You know that you know. That only comes from God. And that is a miracle, uh, a divine intervention of God to man, even to believe that Jesus is Lord. Uh, Jesus said, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. But my Father, which is in heaven, had revealed to you when uh, he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of God, right? Uh, that, he didn't get that because he was good looking or maybe because he was really bold and like, acted like he knew everything, right? One thing I love about Peter is, boy, he was all in. Whatever he was doing, 100% in. You know, he's like, Jesus, there is no way on earth you will ever wash my feet. And Jesus said, well, then I don't, you have no part with me. I have no part in you. And he's like, oh, well, then wash my whole body. And Jesus is like, hold on, just the feet. We're just doing the feet, right? So what I like about Peter is he was all in, but Peter, when he was corrected by the Lord, would just change. And Peter wasn't like, oh, man, can't believe I gave the wrong answer. John, why, you're always like he loves you more, you know. I just gave the wrong, no. He just said, okay, wash my whole body. And Jesus is like, no, 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 not the whole body. Just your feet. Just your feet. And so we could really take some good lessons from Peter, uh, which is if you do the wrong thing or go the wrong direction, don't get stuck on wrong. Just change direction. Just say, okay. Uh, all right, you say it this way. Okay, I'll do it this way. Right? That takes humility to do that. Right? And you humble yourself where? Under the mighty hand of God. And then he will lift you up. Boy, it's so much better to have him lift you up than to try to lift yourself up. It's a lot of work to lift yourself up. And uh, sometimes you get lifted up and then you fall right back down. But when he lifts you up, he puts you in a secure place and into a steady place. And so uh, he, he, by our trust in him and our faith in him, Shame itself slips away and disappears, dissipates and disappears. And so uh, we're talking about a shameless life. And I'm going to read our, our main scripture text from uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and then we'll go to um, Hebrews chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, 2 Corinthians 4, 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, 
For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So while we look, so you're looking at something. What are you looking at? Ask yourself that question. What am I looking at? What do you see? Right? Because I love Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. Uh, he said, my son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. In other words, tune in to what, you're, what I am saying. Listen to what I am saying in such a way that it gains access into your innermost being, into your heart. Listen, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. That doesn't mean you don't hear other things that are being said, but I, my ear is inclined to his sayings. Now, listen, uh, you know, it used to be a bigger deal maybe than what it is now because I think that some innovation has been lost and I don't know why. Um, but uh, it used to be, uh, every year about this time, uh, people uh, that like Apple are kind of like, what are they going to say? What, are they, what kind of new phone? What kind of new features are they going to release in the new phone? And so, it, you think Apple's like this? Yeah, yeah, people that like Apple's. That's almost, that's more like September, October, but later October, maybe November. Okay, so, um, but people are like, do you hear anything? Did you, you hear what's going to be on a new phone? Or maybe the new phone came out. Did you hear what's on the new phone? In other words, their ear is kind of inclined to Apple electronic devices. Like, like well, what's the latest thing in that? Well, some people um, like uh, to, to um, hunt and fish. And so their ear kind of is inclined to those things. Well, some people like, uh, you know, uh, photography, uh, electronics, video, stuff like that. And uh, so then maybe your ear is inclined to that. Some people like gardening. Maybe your ear is inclined to that. Some people, you know, it goes on and on and on and on. Uh, whatever sports, there's certain sports which they used to play in the United States. Okay? And so if your ear was inclined to that, I apologize. Like, just inclined it to the word. <laughs> maybe, like, get a group of people around your area and just play a sport, you know. Praise the Lord. Um, the reality is, the reality is, we, I don't know if I should go here, but I will go here for just a second. But you know, in the, in the offering, we're talking about worshiping the Lord with our giving, and that if your eye is grudging, your whole body will be full of darkness. Well, you know, uh, was it Victor Franco? was a Nazi concentration camp survivor, right? And so uh, I think he's the one that said, you know, the one thing that they could not take from me was my own ability to choose my attitude. They took everything else from me, but they could not take that, and I would not let them take that. Well, uh, your attitude affects so many things. And if you're a grudging attitude... Like, everybody's against me, everybody's stealing from me, everybody's this, everybody's that. Well, your whole body's going to be full of darkness. So, uh, you see, in the world, people with an attitude of, the world owes me, they're, they're starting to live in such darkness because they're looking for, like, what I can get rather than what I can give. So, Jesus came, God gave us Jesus, and Jesus gave us his life. 
And so if our perspective ever gets to like what I can get instead of what I can give, well, darkness is on its way because you're not looking out for the good of other people, uh, especially as a believer where you actually have the answer on the inside of you. We carry the answer to every situation, that, that there is not a problem that's too big or anything too difficult. And so <clears throat> the reality of what's happening in the world right now is darkness is trying to overshadow the world, and that darkness is um, darkening people's ability to see the truth. So one of the best ways to pray is that the truth will be revealed, right? That the hidden things are revealed and that people, uh, people's attention is riveted to the truth of God's word. Because Jesus said in John chapter 8, you will know that you can, if you continue in my word, so it's not just, I looked once, right? Actually, what he's talking about, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. And he said, like uh, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, whoever looked lived. Do you know the Amplified Bible says it, it was a steady, constant, absorbing gaze, right? So Jesus said the same thing in John chapter 8. If you want freedom, you have to, con if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. So if you're a believer, Jesus is saying, faith requires constant attention on him, his word, right? Well, that matches up with that big old 10-volume dictionary that you know I love so much. It has a definition of faith that says faith by its very um, um, makeup is now. Now faith is the substance of hope, things hoped for, right? So faith is constant. So faith, when you become a believer, it is not, you know, um, when I was four years old, I prayed to receive Christ. So it wasn't when I was four years old, I was converted to Christianity. First of all, it's not a conversion. It is a death and a new life. I died to my old self and I started living a new life, which is uh, in complete union with God himself. So it was a new life that started, uh, what would that be, 40 years ago, or 41 years ago. How old am I? I had a birthday. 41 years ago. <laughs> Jessica, she's not here, but maybe you're watching this. And she said last week she wanted so badly to say, like, are you getting so old you don't remember your birth date? Because she had talked to me at the end of the last week, and I said, yeah, my birthday's on Monday, and it was not. <laughs> but I thought the 26th was Monday. Okay. So that's not my age. Um, <laughs> So Jesus said, if you continue in my word. So it's not just for a moment because faith, like in this dictionary, is saying faith is in everything you turn to him as your Lord, in every moment of life. So it's not like, yeah, I did this that day, and now I'm just going to go and do whatever I want to do. And some people get this attitude, um, maybe if they want to um, give in to the desires of the flesh. Well, I got my ticket stamped. And I'm on my way, and I'm going to do whatever I want. But other people, so that's, let's see, let's see, let's call this an extreme and that an extreme, and on the carpet is kind of the middle of the road. So that's this extreme, right? I'm just going to, you know, and Paul talked about this in Galatians, that they're using the grace of God as a license to sin. If you're doing that, you do not know the grace of God, because the grace of God leads men to repentance. In other words, the grace of God, when you see how good God is and what God has done, that grace actually causes you to stop and think about 
think about your life and the direction that it's headed and the goodness of God. You see your life in the light of the goodness of God and the grace of God and the power of God and the strength of God. And you're like, he couldn't, if he did that for me, I'm going to live for him, right? So the grace of God leads you to turn towards him, right? So this is all turning towards him, turn towards him. Well, then you come over here and you say, well, you know what? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, right? But then you forget the in Christ part. You're like, I am a new creature. I am more than a conqueror. Every sickness and every disease that I come in contact with, it has to flee. But I'm forgetting one thing, and that is Jesus. So I get this, this uh, now, 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 I'm an American, and I, uh, God bless America, and I love America. But sometimes I think the spirit that can get in America, that's in America, that's maybe not even, I don't know if it's evil or whatever, but anyhow, the independent spirit is like, Everything I do in my Christian walk, I don't even need Jesus because he did it when I was converted and everything is taken care of. And so I don't have to rely on him. Well, he did all the work of redemption over 2,000 years ago, everything that needed to be done. But Jesus himself said, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. And he said, I don't do anything that I don't first see my father do or hear my father say, I am totally dependent on him, totally reliant upon him. And if you look at the 134 scriptures in the New Testament that are in him uh, scriptures, what we have in Christ, who we are in Christ, um, in whom, by his blood, all of those, those are all in our union with him. One translation actually translates it that way, um, that if any man, well, let's see, Amplified says, if any man be in Christ engrafted into Christ... In other words, he is the vine, we are the branches, and there was a cut made in him, and an identical cut on us slipped into that cut, and that graft went in, and then the life that flowed in him now flows in us. And so then the fruit now comes on our, us who are the branches. It comes out of our branches as we're united to the vine. And Jesus said this in John chapter 15, verse 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you'll ask, Whatever you want, anything you desire, and it'll be done. But the prerequisite was, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. So you have these two extremes where, well, the grace of God just says, I can sin and do anything I want. You don't understand the grace because if you understand the grace, you don't want to do those things. Um, you know, your, your giving will affect your heart and it will reflect your heart. So if you have someone that you're having trouble with and you've you just been praying and you've been trying to walk in love and trying to do what Jesus said and the Beatitudes where he said, pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you, you know what you might want to do? You might want to take some money and send them some money because that money will affect your heart towards them. It'll affect your heart towards them and it'll affect their heart towards you. So, so, you know, I had a situation one time where there was a little bit of a challenge in this arena, and uh, I didn't have any bitterness or anything, but it was just, um, there was a, a, we weren't seeing eye to eye in, in something, and uh, I said, well, you know, I'm going to uh, give them a certain amount of money, and then as I'm getting ready to meet with them, the Lord said, oh no, you need to give them like five times that. You know what? Gave them five times that, and then uh, 
the word that I had from the Lord for them that they were not able to receive, it opened their heart and they received the word. Well, that's worth any amount of money. Because one word from God will set people free and will change the course of their life. Well, think about it. If someone did too much for you, gave you too much money, what does that do for your heart? Well, think about somebody did something more valuable than money. Maybe you've got family that don't know the Lord. And somebody spoke a word to them and they, they gave up a life living for the devil and they got to live for the Lord. And now they have such freedom and they are so thankful. Remember the, the woman uh, that washed the feet of Jesus with this ointment that was one year's wages and she used her hair on his feet and she washed and Judas who was a thief and kept the money box was so upset. This is horrible. That, that, that perfume should have been sold and the money given to the poor. And actually the word of God tells us the reason he said it is he was the one stealing money and he wanted a share of that money. He's like, that's a lot of money. But you remember what Jesus said about that woman? He said, he, because they also mocked him because she was a, a former prostitute. Well, you're letting this prostitute spend all this money and do this. Like, you got some ulterior motives? What you doing with the prostitute, right? What are they trying to say about him? So, he said, he that is forgiven much, loves much. He that's forgiven much, loves much. And he said, even though she has sins, which are many, they are forgiven her. But don't miss, he that's forgiven much, loves much. Well, maybe you're like me and you kind of, I mean, I got born again at four years old and so it's not like I, I uh, really, um, well, let me say this. It's not like I did a lot of things that the world and Christians would say, wow, he did a lot of sinful things. But you have no idea of the motivations of my heart. Sometimes the people that we look at on the outside and we think that's the most pious, holy person is the most sinful, black, and dark heart that comes up before the Lord because their motives were wrong. Because they're doing things to be seen of men, get credit for men, and basically trying to establish their own position with God or their own righteousness. But this woman, she's like, I don't care what my past was. I know that he took it away. I know who took that away from me, who separated that from me and me from that, and who gave me a, a, a new life. And there is no cost that's too great to honor him. And Jesus said, this will be told about her for all time because she prepared me for my burial. So don't tell me you have done too much sinning that you can't be used of God. This woman who's a prostitute, uh, you know, who knows how many people she was with, she did something that smelled good in the nostrils of Jesus, the nostrils of God, and is told forever about her in honor. So God is a good God. He is a redeemer and a restorer. And where she had lived in shame, Jesus took away that shame. Said, you're not going to live like this anymore. That's why he came. That, that is why he came, so that we wouldn't have shame. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing, uh, I'll start with just verse 1, focusing on verse 2. 
Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. You're carrying weights? That's not the will of God. I'll suffer if you're exercising. Bodily exercise profits a little. <laughs> and, and the sin which does so easily beset us. So sin easily grabs hold of you. Amen. Right? No, yeah, thank you for the amen. Because, <laughs> no, no, we also admit it, but it's true. Okay? So sin does easily, all of a sudden, oh, you know. Now, if you're intending to do it, it's a kind of a different thing. But it, when that, things just slip up on you. You don't even realize it. Yeah. You know, I love that story that uh, Dad Hagen told about uh, he's ministering. And, you know, uh, that your hunger for God, whether you're here, online, you're part of the service. Like people sometimes think, well, like, it's all on pastor. Well, if it's all on pastor, there ain't much going to happen. First of all, pastor has to be uh, relying on the Lord. But second of all, when you come together, every one of you has something. That's talking about believers, right? So then you carry something with you. And so Brother Higgins having these meetings, and we learned this. We traveled with him for a couple of years, and so went to many different churches and uh, did some traveling on our own as well. And every church has a personality, <laughs> and every church is a little different. And there's some things that you can minister and certain groups of people that you can't minister with other groups of people um, because of the hunger and because of what they've been taught and what they understand. In other words, how you act in faith and how you look to the Lord and rely upon the Lord. Like you ever hear Keith Moore? Uh, I love how he starts his messages. Maybe we should add that. He said, are you believing with me? Are you believing for words or utterances with me that they come from God and that we can go someplace together because you can actually really go someplace um, with a, a congregation and a minister that are yielded to the Lord and looking to Him. And so, uh, anyhow, he's having this meeting. And at this church, he's like, it, it is like dead, basically. Like nothing's happening. Just, just up there speaking, but <laughs> there's not a lot of demonstration. Not much happening. And so... He was kind of like uh, not happy about it. And then um, he went to the church, I think it was a Friday night. And this man got up and I, 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 he didn't say, I don't, I don't think I've heard him say what he did, but I think he gave a word of um, uh, a, a prophecy. And so he began to speak, but he did something. He acted, yielded to the spirit. And man, it was like yesterday when all of a sudden there'd be no rain and it's like something broke and just like a downpour. <laughs> and you're like, you know, uh, my wife was kind enough yesterday. I was praying and studying, and she took some stuff to the dump, and she got out in the back of the pickup truck. She's like, I got it, and Evie was there, and Daniel was there, because I was like, baby, I'm going to come help you. No, no, I'll take this. I won't take this stuff. I like to do it. I like that you let me do it. So anyhow, I had to get that in there, because we did have a little discussion about it before. She's like, let me. So anyhow, she's there. So she's in the back of the pickup truck at the dump, and all of a sudden, the heavens let loose. <laughs> So, to make a long story short, when I get out of the pickup truck this morning, I thought, why does my rear feel wet? <laughs> the seat was still wet. And she had this, like, uh, mortar cement for repairing some foundation stuff we were doing, and the outside was hardened, but apparently the inside was still soft. So when the rain hit the bag, the bag let loose, and this poof, poof! So the whole truck was white, came back white, and um, it just, it's amazing the the help of a wife you know it's just you're just so thankful to the lord and i, I am thankful that was that was very nice of you 
Thank you. So, so things let loose in the service. People start getting healed. People start getting filled with the Holy Spirit. People start getting born again. And, but Brother Hagin had one problem. And that was he had seen that man earlier that day down in the city. And he, the way he described it is he said he walked into a place of ill repute. So he walked into a place he should not have been going. So Brother Higgins gets to his room and he's like, Lord, let's just have this out. Why did you use him? Like, I just saw him today doing something he should not be doing. Why didn't you use this? I shouldn't. I won't pick on anybody. Why didn't you use this lady? She's the most holy person in the church. Why didn't you use her? And the Lord said, well, what you don't know is when that man walked into that place, he stopped and he came to himself and he said, oh, what am I doing? Lord, forgive me. He turned around and walked out and he said, he comes up to me pure and holy and clean. And this woman who you say is the most spiritual person in the church I called her to be a missionary to Africa over 30 years ago, and she has lived in open rebellion to me for over 30 years. She comes up black and dark before me. I love that story because, you know, like Jesus said, you know, don't take the homeless people and put them in the back and say, like, you have a seat back here and take the well-dressed people and put them in the front and say, you take this precious seat. Don't judge by the outward appearance, right? And so the motivations of our heart and what's going on in our heart actually is what makes the difference. Even in salvation, it is with the heart man believes. Salvation of your spirit. But also, it is with the heart that you believe about healing. It is with the heart that you believe about deliverance. It is with the heart that you believe about provision. In other words, something happens in your heart concerning the provision of God. That you're like, the Lord is my provider. He may provide a second job. He may provide a better job. But your confidence and your faith and your trust is in Him. So it's not the power of your arm that you're trusting in for provision. You are diligent and you work as to the Lord. But the blessing of the Lord makes you rich and adds no sorrow with it. So you can only get so many jobs at one time. You'd be like that. You, 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 you'll love one and despise the other, right? But it is your heart. Where is your heart's connection? So Proverbs 20, uh, 4, verse 20, 21 says, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. You know, one of the most awesome forms of meditation is in your imagination. So, you can meditate. If you want to know what meditation is, just think of what worry is and turn it around backwards. So, if you want to worry about something... Well, I don't know how it's going to get paid. I don't know how we're going to do it. Uh, I'm going to have to get another job. I'm going to have to do this. Uh, it's all I, 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 I. Right? Well, if you trust God, you're like, you know what? I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to provide, but I know it's going to be good. 
something good is going to happen to me. Uh, this is just a sign that the devil doesn't like what's happening in my life. He's trying to steal. He's trying to see if I actually believe the word. Well, let me tell you, I believe the word. And the word says, actually in this only case, because I'm a tither, that you are rebuked by God himself. And I'm going to add on to that. I rebuke you. In Jesus' name. Take your hands off my money. Take your hands off the money of a child of God. This is kingdom money. This is kingdom finance. You mess with the wrong person. You should have got to me before I realized who I was in Christ. Right? So, uh, that this is in your imagination. This is, these are your dreams. These are your, your dreams while you're awake and your dreams while you're asleep. These are your thoughts, right? Instead of the thoughts of, well, I don't know, it's going to have, you know, this, they, this sickness is going to lead to this, and now oh, they got COVID, and probably with this and COVID, and I'll be dead. And like, you know, uh, Dad Hagen, he had three incurable diseases that would be fatal to him. And the doctor said, there is no hope for you. Well, he's hearing this, and before he heard what God said and saw what God said, he said, I saw myself dead. He said, I started meditating on that, and I saw myself dead. He said, in that time, they would bring the body and set it in the home, and they would have the viewing in the home. He said, so I saw my casket sitting in my living room. And he said, I saw the casket open. And he said, I saw my body laying in the casket. He said, I saw my family come in and walk by the casket and all the other visitors walked by the casket. And he said, I went right along with them and when they were walking by and he said, they looked down in and I looked down in and I saw myself laying in the casket. I saw myself dead. He said, I saw them have the funeral. I heard them sing the songs. He said, I saw them close the lid of the casket. He said, I saw them carry the casket out of the house. He said, I saw them take the casket over to the graveyard and have a graveyard service. He said, I saw them lower the casket into the grave. He said, I heard them throwing the clumps of dirt on top of the casket. He said, I saw them bury the whole casket. He said, I saw them plant the grass over where the casket was at. I'm not, I'm not like exaggerating. He said, I saw them. He said, I saw the rains hit the ground where they had planted the grass. He said, I saw flowers sprout up. He said, I saw the fall. I saw the leaves blowing over the casket. I saw myself dead. His meditation was on what information the world could give him and the devil wanted him to pay attention to. So he was meditating that. But he said, Proverbs there, let them not, my words, not depart from before your eyes. He said, I saw myself dead. He had to see himself living. He had to see himself affected by, in his case, Mark 11, 22, 23, 24. Whoever says to this mountain, have faith in God, verse 22. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be thou removed. In other words, you're talking to the mountain. Be thou removed. Whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed, and does not doubt in his heart. Hear that? In his heart. But believes, believing is of the heart, those things that he says will come to pass, 
So he's believing what comes to pass? The things that he just said to the mountain, be thou removed. So he that believes be thou removed comes to pass, he'll have whatever he says. So before he saw that verse, he saw himself dead. He did not see that verse coming to pass. Once that verse got in him in sufficient form that his mind was changed, now he saw himself living. What thing, verse 24, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. When do you believe that you receive the things that you desire? When, when is it yours? When you pray. It's like many times somebody says, oh, would you pray for me for this? I say, okay, what's going to happen when we pray? What's going to happen is, if you're believing according to the Bible, I will receive. This is the point, I release my faith or I receive. I believe that I receive. So if I believe that I receive, if Melody prays for me, then it's just a matter of, I'm just waiting for her to pray for me. Would you please stop talking to her up and pray? Because as soon as you pray, as soon as she prays, that's when I'm receiving. I believe I receive. This is why I love A.B. Simpson's testimony. Maybe because he was a minister like me, but he had a heart problem. And he got, it got so bad, he could only get up on Sundays and minister the Word. And it'd take him till Wednesday to recover from standing up and preaching the Word in front uh, to get enough energy to begin preparing on Wednesday for the next Sunday. And he's getting worse and worse and worse. And his family had a little farm up in New England. And so he said, I decided, you know what? There are people in my church getting healed all over the place. This is kind of foreign to me. He said, so I'm going to take the word of God for two weeks. I'm not taking my iPhone. It's like late 18, early 1900s. I'm not taking my computer. I'm trying to make a joke. Okay, so... He just went up there and he said, I'm going to go through the word of God and I'm going to look at every scripture about healing. And he said, I did that and I became convinced that healing of the physical body is just as much a part of the redemption, redemptive work of Jesus Christ as salvation for the soul. And there he's talking about your spirit becoming a new spirit because we've changed terminology a little bit. And he said, he wrote, he wrote this. You can get this online. So he wrote it. He said, because uh, he said, I've realized that it's just as much a part. And so he wrote in his journal, I today take Jesus as my healer just as I have taken him as my Lord. I think he said healer of my physical body. And then he made a comment in his journal. He said, at that moment, I don't know if my body felt any different or not, but I knew he had it in his hand, so I knew I did not care. That's faith. He believed. He received. So who cares about the other stuff? Now, let me add to, let me add to his thing. It's not the Bible, so I can add it. <laughs> so I'll add to what he said. And that is, how, how do you know if you just are mentally agreeing with what the Bible says or if you're actually believing. One word, I guess, the results that you get. In other words, if you are believing, your body has to change and will change in this life, in this time. 
You look at Jesus when he ministered to people, um, they, some of them, not all, but some were instantly healed and their body instantly changed. But that's not the bulk of them. Many people, the Bible says, began to amend. So there was a turning point and they began to get better and better and better. Okay? So um, I just add that caveat because sometimes people that believe like we believe can be like, you know, I've been believing God for 20 years. You have not been believing God for 20 years for um, uh, something in your physical body. Everybody got really quiet. <laughs> because when you believe, you receive. So um, there's a scripture Paul talks about. He said you've got to examine yourself and see whether you be in the faith. Right? Uh, the, the, and also in Hebrews, uh, there it says that the word of God did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So uh, healing is a reality, and it is for today. It's not always instantaneous, but there is always a, a change that happens. Change happens first in your heart, then it shows up in your body. Right? So if somebody prays for you today, you got something in your body, and you don't see any difference in your body, if you have uh, this kind of belief, you are thrilled. Whether you see it today or you don't see it today, you know it's just a matter of time and not much time. So A.B. Simpson, uh, apparently his body didn't change right away because within a couple weeks of that, he was at a minister's meeting, and they, had, they were gonna, they're like, hey, let's all go climb this mountain after the meeting. And something said to him, well, you can't climb that mountain. You're going to die. You climb that mountain. And he said, I had a choice right then to turn and give up what I had believed. He said, and I almost did. I don't normally tell this part, I guess, but anyhow, he said, but then I realized, whoa, oh, you're trying to get it. You're trying to get a hold of me, a hold of my lips. He said, you're not going to do it. He's like, I'll climb that mountain. He said, I begin to take the steps and he said, I began to get winded, couldn't hardly breathe, felt like I was going to fall over. He's like, no, I believe uh, I, my body is redeemed. And he took step by step and about partway up, all of a sudden he said something came over him and he began to get stronger and stronger and stronger and he never had another symptom. Made it up that mountain, heart's just fine. Lived a long, good life. Hallelujah. So faith is substance. It's real. More real than the things that we can see with our eyes. And so, my son, attend to my words. Those words are from heaven. Those are eternal words. So he said, focus in on those words. Let those get your attention. Let those gain entrance into your heart. Because uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. The word of God is translated, but the word rhema is what God is speaking to you at the moment and making real to you at that moment. Like, I can't explain how I know it, but I just know it. Right? It's in my, it's in my heart. It's not something I reasoned out, but it is something God revealed to me. Like, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. In other words, this comes from God. And so, um, we look... Uh, not of the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, because the things that are 
uh, not seen are eternal. The things that are seen are temporary. So Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And, and as Moses was lifted up on the, on the pole, uh, serpent, lifted up the serpent, whoever looked lived, who had a constant, uh, steady, absorbing gaze, looked, meditated, and imagined on the Lord Jesus Christ, well then, he said in John chapter 8, if, are you following me? I'm back through all those. If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free or make you free. So this uh, believer, the life of a believer, is a life that is constantly turned towards him. Oh, let me see what you say. Let me see what you think. Let me honor you. Let me think about you, right? Uh, David, a lot of times, would wake himself up and said, in the night watches, I will praise your name, right? I will magnify the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. Well, if that's one way to meditate on the right thing, because if his praise is on your lips, it's really hard to have cursing on your lips. I don't mean cussing. I mean cursing. Like, this is never going to work. It's been too long. I'm too old. I'm too dumb. That's cursing I'm talking about. Not cussing, but cursing. Shouldn't have cussing either, but I'm not cursing. All right. Oh. Wherefore, seeing we're encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, that's talking about all the great faith men and women in chapter 11. Um, let us lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily grab hold of us or beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The, the Greek word for patience, I don't even know how to pronounce it, but anyhow, macrothumia, macrothumia. Can you say that? <laughs> Literally means you can endure delay and bear suffering and never give in. Never give in. It is uh, the spirit which could take revenge if it wanted to, but utterly refuses to do so. It is the spirit which will never retaliate. This is patience. Bible patience. In other words, I have the power to take revenge but I would never do so. I'm patient. That's why it means patience with people, not circumstances. All right? So uh, he's saying, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. The author and finisher of faith. I don't know if I put the other translation in here. I really hope I did. Let me double check. Hallelujah. I don't think I did. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. So we talked about this last week. Author does not mean the, um, the, the one who starts faith in you, although Jesus does that. But here it means the first and foremost, the pioneer of faith itself. So he is the author of faith. And so uh, as being the author, he is the creator and um, 
uh, authority on faith, and the finisher means he brings it to completion. In other words, he's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. There is no greater faith example than Jesus. This is exactly what um, the Holy Spirit is saying to us uh, through Paul in Hebrews. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And let me close with this. So Jesus endured the cross. In, okay. So in his endurance, that is my favorite Greek word. Anybody know it? Hoopamone. I love the word hoopamone. It's like you're going to hoop and moan if you don't do it. It literally means spiritual staying power. It's not the patience which can sit down and bow its head and let things descend upon it and passively endure until the storm is over. That's not what this is. Um, it is the spirit which can bear things not simply with resignation, but with blazing hope. Not just like, oh, I've resigned, it's going to be this way. Oh, no. Well, I may be going through this, but I have a blazing hope, a hope that is on fire because my faith and my confidence is in God himself. It is not the spirit which sits statically enduring in one place, but the spirit which bears things because it knows that these things are leading to the goal of glory. It is not the patience which grimly waits for its end, but the patience which radiantly hopes for the dawn. You understand? So you're in the middle of this, but it is not dominating you. You have a hope that goes beyond what, you're, what you are there because actually you have heard from God, so you have the substance of faith. It is the root of all good things, the mother of piety, the fruit which never withers, a fortress that is never taken, and a harbor that knows no storms. It describes the ability to bear things in such a triumphant way that it transfigures them. So instead of the things changing you, you change the things. Uh, this is why I like this word hoopamone. Because a lot of times it's translated patience, the other patients. And we think like, or endurance, a lot of times endurance is a better translation. But people get the idea that enduring is like, okay, I've got to have this heavy weight and I'm going to endure this. And it's going to be really rough. It is the root of all goods, the mother of piety, the fruit that never withers, fortress, or, okay. Um, it is the courageous and triumphant ability to pass the breaking point and not break. The ability to pass the breaking point and not break. I wrote this in such small type that it's hard for me to see it. <laughs> and always to greet the unseen with a cheer. It is the process which changes the very nature of tribulation into strength and glory. In other words, does this sound like James in James chapter 1? Count it all joy, brethren. 
when you have tests and trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance character. In other words, believers have an a ability that the Holy Spirit gives us to go to the breaking point and go beyond it and not break. Well, if you try to do that in your own strength, even as a believer, you'll break. But if you look to the Lord and you rely on Him, you can do things that it's not possible for you to do because you're focused in on Him. So Jesus, despising the shame for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross. So Jesus on the cross had this hoopamon, and I didn't read the one, but the one says actually, instead of turning away from the storm and cowering, you actually turn and face the storm and say, bring it on. This was Jesus on the cross thinking about you and thinking about me. He endured the cross, despising the shame. Well, the cross itself had shame because the most shameful people who did the most shameful things, that is how they died in shame on a cross. But that is just... That is just the surface level of the shame that Jesus despised and held in low regard. The shame that he really despised and held low regard was your shame and my shame. What you did and what I did that was shameful and brought shame on you, he took that shame on himself. And when he saw that and knew he was going to do that, he despised it. He said, I am holding that in low regard, that that's going to come on me, that that's going to be attached to me, that I'm going to have all of that shame on me. And in that instant, he said, I endure the cross. Bring it on. Because this is why I have come into the world, so that you would not live in shame, that you would have a shameless life, that shame would have no place on you, with you, or around you, that you could know that you are what's right about God in me, that I have made you right and I have made you fit for my spirit to come and live on the inside. That you're not trying to get holy, that you're not trying to get good enough, that you're not trying to do enough things because Jesus said, I did those things. Jesus, Jesus. I'm, you know, pretend like I'm him. Right? He despised that shame because if he had respected that shame, he's like, there's no way I'm ever taking that. Right? But the Bible says he despised it and endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. So he's like, I am looking beyond the cross because I know what the cross is going to do. And when I see beyond the cross, I see you and 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 you free from shame, free from sickness, free from poverty, free from every work of the devil, every manifestation of sin at all its points, I see you free that you don't have to try to perform for other people. You don't have to try to be somebody because I was somebody. You can say like Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I live in this body, because we all have a body here, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me, he loves you, and gave himself for me. He gave up himself for you and for me. He gave up himself. Let's all stand. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus and the cross of Christ. We thank you that he was lifted up so we'd have something to put our attention on, that we could look to and see. See on Him our sins. See on Him our shame. See on Him every, the curse in all its form. That He took that curse from us. 
Father, I pray right now, if there be any that hear this or are listening to this that don't know you, I pray right now, Father, that you will, um, by your Spirit, bring them light and understanding of the reality of heaven and hell, the reality of the shortness of life, and the reality of the freedom and life that are in your Son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here or you're online, you've joined with us right now, or you're listening to this later, and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. It is not a fearful thing. It is a thing of joy and freedom. It's the best decision you will ever make in your entire life. It's not a somber and sad thing, but it is serious as all get out because you have to give up everything to receive Him. Somebody said, well, it cost me a lot. No, it'll just cost you everything you have. Somebody said, you got to pay a lot of money. You don't have to pay any money. But you have to give up the right to be your own Lord. And you have to receive a new Lord who will always look at you the right way, who will always make a decision that's best for you, who will always provide for you, always help you, always protect you, always be there for you, who will never leave you or forsake you, never fail you. Uh, so I think it's a pretty good deal to give up your own life. You don't come to Jesus because of good things that you do. You cannot be good enough to come to Jesus. Jesus was good enough and great enough that he gave up his life and every perfect thing that he did, he did to have that put in your account so that when God looks at you, he sees what Jesus did. And so uh, John, uh, Romans chapter 10 says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, that's the center of your being, the real you, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With the heart man believeth, unto righteousness with the mouth confession is made unto salvation and so um, that is how you get born again so if you'd like to receive Jesus Christ today I'd like you to slip up your hand uh, online you can put up your hand or you can um, uh, just make a decision in your heart right now and um, I'm gonna pray a prayer and if you want to pray that prayer after me and you pray it from your heart and confess it with your mouth meaning it in your heart, you will be saved. Say this with me if you want to receive Jesus. Say, oh God, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross to take away my sins. So I could be right with you. I believe that you raised him from the dead on the third day. And I take Jesus right now as my Lord and as my Savior. I am now born again, part of your family. Thank you, Father God, for bringing me in. That it's by the power of the blood of Jesus and everything that he did that I am now yours. And you are now mine. Amen. <laughs>